You're listening to Satellite Sisters. What's a Satellite Sister? The person you call when the best thing in your life happens or the worst. The person that gets you up, gets you going, and gets you through. And every once in a while, changes your mind. This podcast is part pep talk, part weekly check-in. Like grabbing coffee with a friend. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Satellite Sisterhood. We're the Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne Dolan here in Los Angeles with my sister Liz Dolan. I'm a writer and producer. I have two college-age kids, a big dog. In Canada, you are my friend. <laughs> Liz? I'm Liz Dolan. That's right. I'm here with Leanne in the studio. I am an on-again, off-again executive, and I live in Santa Monica, California with my little dog, Hooper. Julie? Hey, I'm Julie Dolan. I'm in Brooklyn, New York today, but I live in Dallas, Texas. But I've also lived all over the world, traveled all over the world. I'm an empty nester and an urban nana. Mm -hmm. Julie, we are going to tap into your expertise today. I mean, North Korea obviously having a moment, and you have a couple thoughts on the dictator, I mean, the leader of North Korea. So you're going to give us that later on in the show. Based on your travels to North Korea. Yeah, okay. And then uh, we're going to also here get an update on Urban Nana from Brooklyn. So that's fantastic. Uh, let's see. What else we have? IHOB. Oh, yeah. IHOB. <laughs> what? I have a point of view about IHOB and campaigns like IHOB, Leon. Thank you. You know, I've spent my whole career in marketing. Yeah. I have a strong point of view about IHOB. Excellent. We're going to talk about that. I am going to give you my Paris travel log. Oh, I, I can't uh, wait. Yeah. Yes. You know, I went to Paris a couple weeks ago with my 20-year-old son. We had sort of a specific agenda. So I'm going to give you some tips. No, I didn't go to Versailles. All right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Every single... Ver- oh, did you go to Versailles? No. I've been to Versailles. We didn't go to Versailles. <laughs> but I'm- you know what, what people don't know is that like when Leon comes back from Paris and Julie and I eat separately, like on just phone calls we had, yeah. ask Leon about her trip. She says, I can't tell you. I'll tell you on the show. <laughs> so you've been home for weeks. We don't know anything really yeah. about your trip to We're Paris. We're very excited so to hear this, Leon. We are going to be as surprised info. as you are. Yes. Right. Excellent. Excellent. Right. Thanks, girls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I just have a reminder because we've gotten some email about this lately about links and show notes for every show that we do. So here's the deal. When we do a show... Uh, anything, any story that we recommend, book that we talk about, film that we talk about, I always put links in our show notes, and we always put the links to our sponsors. So, that, for instance, today our sponsors are Care, Harry's, ZipRecruiter, and Beachbody. So if you're trying to find those links, and I know lots of times you're, like, driving when you hear the show, whatever, here, the super easiest way to do it is look at your phone. If you're listening on a podcast app on your phone, that just tap the cover art and you'll see if you scroll up a little bit, like in Apple Podcasts or really all of the apps, the show notes come up. Sometimes you have to open them. Sometimes they're just right there, depending on the app. And the link to the sponsor will always be right there. Now, if that's if you'd rather just do it at home, sitting at your computer also super easy. We replicate the same thing, SatelliteSisters.com, our website. There's always a complete set of show notes with additional photos. Yes. For instance, you know, <laughs> like, like Leanne's Rome report included the photo of Leanne and her son Colin at St. Peter's. We can't do that on the podcast, people. We do do it on the blog. Anyway, so all the sponsor links are always on the blog. So you can find them in your podcast app, 
if you hit the cover art and then scroll up to show notes or uh, or on the blog. And we always have the there's you know if there's a custom URL, which ninety nine point nine percent of the time is what Leon sisters sisters. So it's you know www dot com slash sisters. Right. If you're just trying to guess, most of the time it's that. Occasionally we get one that's different. Right. And if there's a special promo code we need you to use, I put that in the notes. Right. So super easy way to find everything. And if it was three weeks ago on the blog, you can just scroll through and find the three week old. And and the code is always still good. It's usually. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Usually. 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 So I say usually. Yeah. Okay. I mean, not years yeah, later. Sometimes it takes a while to get around to ordering yeah, the sure. new item, you yes. know, your new Dagny Dover bag or right. whatever it might be. <laughs> right. So, yeah. 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 No, They're and still we're good. We're super glad that you want to support our sponsors. It's really important to us that they get your your business. So we try to make it easy for you, and that's the easiest way for you to uh, support us by using our sponsors. Tap the cover art. Yep. That's the key. All right. Uh, you know, our show, we bill Satellite Sisters as a pep talk for modern life. But mm-hmm. sometimes pep talks are not easy. Sometimes you have to have the hard conversation. So this week on the show, we're starting off with the terrible news last week of Kate Spade's suicide, which happened while we were on the air. That news alert mm-hmm. came in. Yeah. And I looked down at the phone and because I keep the phone open for the timer I almost couldn't finish the rest of the show. I almost I just know. cried out in the middle of the show, like, holy cow. And then the terrible news about Anthony Bourdain's Who suicide just days later. And, you know, and then I'm sure, like I did, many of you read every article you possibly could. Just t- try to understand what puts a person in that frame of mind mm-hmm. when they are, you know, visibly successful. They are parents. They are connected to family and friends. They have an outward look that it seems positive and attractive and they're intelligent and engaged in the world. But then it also made me think, what a terrible week if you've experienced suicide in your family, mm-hmm. you know, and there were quite a few articles last yeah. week of people whose you know parents had killed themselves or sisters or brothers writing in various publications about how this news like that, like the double suicide just really must affect you again, as if you yeah. don't think mm-hmm. about it every day. Yeah. Then right. talk about triggering events. And I know that phrase has a bad connotation now, but that's a but real for sure tr- was that kind of week. real triggering event last week. Yeah. So, I read a very moving story by Sally Yates, you know, the former deputy attorney general, about her father's suicide. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. David yes. Axelrod's yeah. dad also committed suicide. Really? Yes. I heard him on a podcast talk about that. It's just not something that ever leaves you. Yeah. And so then when something like this happens, you must spiral downward again. Yeah. And there's so much shame attached to it that I don't think you tell people. You know, it's just not something that you come forward with. So, you know, obviously destigmatizing mental illness in general is part of the solution. But also there was a lot written in the last week about kind of addressing suicide as a risk specifically. Like, Mm -hmm. how do you take this on with people? Because I know for any of us, it, it is really hard to say to someone, you're not going to harm yourself, are you? Have you ever said that to someone? I have said that. Yeah, I have said that to someone. Julie, have you? I have said that to someone. Yeah. Yep. And and it's real concern, out of real concern. Right. It's really. I think a lot of people know about mental illness. It's much more acceptable. People talk about being in treatment, they talk about being on medication. But at the same time, 
Uh, there is a whole nother level of obviously of depression and despair that people can't talk or don't feel like they can open up about, you know? And even if they did, it makes me wonder as someone who's never been through that, could I even relate? Do I understand? Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. can I, because I certainly can't look at Kate Spade and go, well, that seems like a good call, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and, and that's not to say anything bad about like, you just can't mentally get there if you've not been there. Yeah, I think that's true. There was a really uh, thoughtful list of things in a story in the New York Times on Sunday, and I put a link to this in our show notes, called What to Do When a Loved One is Severely Depressed. And so I suggest you read it because some of it is obvious, but some of it also helps you understand your own fears about bringing it up. So, for instance, you know, what we were just talking about is the uh, number three on this list is it's okay to ask if they're having suicidal thoughts because they say a lot of people worry that by even asking that question, you are planting the seed of something. You know, and obviously you worry when you ask that question that you're also insulting the person in right. some way or and uh, and they yeah, say hurting oh, their or feelings. It's alarm, yes. Or it's alarmist, like yeah. you're overreacting to a situation. You right. know, it's hard to it's hard to know what what is the right response or it's too probing, you know, yes, like exactly. maybe you shouldn't ask those questions. So there's a quote in here um, from a guy named Alan Doderline, the executive vice president of external affairs at the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance. And he said, it's important to know you can't trigger suicidal thinking just by asking about it. Mm. And like, I know that seems basic. But mm-hmm. I think it's really important for people yeah. to know that. Right. Because it's a terrifying thing to ask someone. The next thing on the list is take any mention of death seriously. Even when a person with depression casually mentions death or suicide, it's important to ask follow-up questions. If the answers don't leave you feeling confident that a depressed person is safe, experts advise involving a professional as soon as possible. Mm. You know, and I also put some of the uh, phone numbers for suicide hotlines in our show notes for today. So um, in the event that that's something that you feel is uh, something you need, there you have it. And um And it said also, don't try to cheer them up or offer advice that, you know, you're kind of not qualified to help. You do need to show up for them and encourage them to go seek the help they need. But uh, there's nothing you can say that is really going to um, cheer them up when it's this kind of clinical depression. And that is, I think, a natural instinct. Yeah. Oh, come on, you know, or to diminish it. How bad could it be? Oh, yeah. come on. Yeah. Let's just go take a walk. Let's, yeah. you know, people, yeah, they. No, there's a psychotherapist here that says not only is that unlikely to boost someone's mood, it could backfire by reinforcing the sense that you just don't get it, said Megan Devine, a psychotherapist and the author of a book called It's Okay That You're Not Okay. And she says, your job as a support person is not to cheer people up. It's to acknowledge that it sucks right now and their pain exists, mm, right. which I think is a good reminder, too. Um, then there are a few more suggestions here. You can read them. One, of course, is take care of yourself and set boundaries. And I think the take care of yourself part, fine. But the setting boundaries is hard also. Like, right. So you want to really be there and be there for someone and ask them probing questions and make sure they understand that you're there. So 
where do you put that boundary? You right. know, because on the other hand, you hear right. the advice right. detach with love. Right. Have you right. ever heard that? Like yeah. you see someone spiraling down, yeah. kind of save yourself. So I personally don't know where the line is between really being there for someone with the probing questions and setting up boundaries and kind of detaching with love. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that has trouble with that. Yeah. Well, it just reminded me of a couple of years ago. It was a while ago now. Brooks in high school. He had a, you know, he had a Facebook friend that he wasn't super close to. She wasn't a girl that went to his school or even a sister school. She went to school a couple towns away. Long story short, like, she confided in him that she was thinking about hurting herself, committing suicide. She was already cutting, and she thought that she might want to commit suicide. And he's a 16-year-old boy, okay? That is... (laughs) He is That's heavy. not super emotionally ready to handle this, mm-hmm. but he knew he needed to tell someone. So in, he was too nervous to even have a conversation with me. So he texted me all of this, like from school one day. Huh. So that was smart, Liam. You know that what? I'm all for the texting. If that mm-hmm. opens up communication, fine. So then I have this information that there's a young girl I don't know, and parents I don't know at a school I'm not super familiar with. So now what to do? Yeah. Because you know what? I do believe that article. Any mention of death is bad. Yes. Because you know what? I don't ever think about doing that. You know, I, you know, if you're healthy, that's not really coming mentally healthy. That does not really on your on your checklist. Yeah. yeah you're you not know? ruminating you're about not how ruminating you're going to die. That. So I had one friend whose daughter was at that school. I called her. She recommended a guidance counselor. I emailed the guidance counselor. And even though it was a school vacation, she got right back to me. Mm-hmm. informed the parents. The parents then wrote a thank you note to Brooks. Wow. Oh, my That's God. That's good. That chokes me up just That's... thinking about that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. You know, I think there are, there are also like certain points in time when, you know, you can be as a friend, you can be on the lookout for your friends, right. you know, whether right. it's the teenage years, you know, sort of key transition, right. personal transition points in you know, in one's life, whether it's the teenage years or as young adults. I think in these two high-profile cases of Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain, they were in their late 50s and early 60s, which is another big transition period for a lot of people, you know, where they may be finishing a career or thinking about finishing a career, retiring, maybe they're empty nesters, or, you know, maybe they... You know, there could be many things going on in their lives at this point, but it's good to be aware of your close friends or Mm -hmm. friends around you and be open to listening to them as they're going through these transitions, I think. Yeah, that's a good point, Julie, because I think you think there are trigger points like Brooks in these teenage years. I know you just don't mess around. And if something had happened to that girl, I didn't want that on his shoulders or mine. Like those parents needed to know Everybody in the chain responded properly. The school, the parents, you know, thank you for opening up a line of communication. We had no idea. But then in the 50s, there's a lot happening in people's lives. Like, mm-hmm. you know, kids yes, stayed. So. You know, I mean, it's a it's kind of a downer decade. <laughs> I, I have to like because mm-hmm. people are caught between their children and their parents. Yes. You see there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of financial pressure. If you have kids right. in school or college, like. All of a sudden, everyone at work is coming to get you. Every young kid out there mm-hmm. who knows how to use a computer is coming at you for your job. A lot of people lose their jobs in their 50s. 
physical. Right. Issues. I also think they're lifestyle choices too. That you know maybe you know you could be a hard partier in your right. in your thirties right. or your forties. You you know that some of those health issues are not sustainable, right. and that you see it in the decade in the fifties. Right. You know where you just really have you come, have to come to grips with things that you've been doing for the last 10, 20 years that just are no longer sustainable. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, it did. It, it was kind of a stunning and shocking week last week. And one thing I was reminded of Anthony Bourdain, I just was really an admirer of his. And um, <laughs> Brooks had told me that, um, Brooks had told me that in his religion class senior year, by then they'd just given up trying to teach the boys. You know, at a Catholic school, at a Catholic school, they've shoved enough religion down your throats for the first spring of senior year. They're not going to convert you to anything. He said. So we just watched Parts Unknown every every class. We watched an episode of Parts Unknown because the religion teacher said this is as good as anything you're going to read anywhere else about teaching you about humanity and kindness and compassion. And I, I think that says speaks yeah, volumes about that's that. Amazing. Yeah, and, and women felt the same way about Kate Spade. Yeah. you know that she was a role model. She was someone they looked up to. I she was, seemed like such a bright light. She seemed like a mm-hmm. bright light, and mm-hmm. they, yeah, that's. I think that it's just so that's confounding. Those those two people that sort of held really special spots in our lives. But I was thinking of all the people last week who had lost family members to suicide too. So. All right. Yeah. Well, the the first thing on this list that I was talking about is don't underestimate the power of showing up. And I think that's what we say every week, which is call your satellite sister. You think something is going on? Call them. All right. We're the, Absolutely. We're the satellite sisters. We're going to take a break and we'll be back. This is Leanne, Liz, and Julie, and we would. Julie, we're back with the news. You're up. This is it. Your your summit. Take it away, Jewel. Take it away. I know it is hard to believe. Here we are, June twelfth, two thousand eighteen, and no matter where it, what you think, it, there is just unprecedented diplomatic activity today between the United States and North Korea. Activity that was unthinkable six months ago. Uh, when you think about the things that we were talking about on this podcast and, you know, the the fear we had about what Kim Jong-un was planning as he was launching missiles. And certainly it was unthinkable when I went to North Korea um, over six years ago. I mean, that uh, visiting that country for five days, I mean, it was just so it was first of all, it was so militaristic. It was, as I have said many times on our podcast, the worst place on Earth. It is a human rights disaster. And the level of anti-American rhetoric was so extreme that it, that it was hard to like look at the images that were going on today. Now, I'm not going to uh, proffer any kind of interpretation of the agreement that was signed or any of that. But no? I do have okay. a theory. Right. Do, <laughs> no, so we're not going to do that. Um, but I do have a theory about Kim Jong-un, and it's based on my visit to North Korea, you know, and when I went there, um, here's, here's my take on, uh, Kim Jong-un. He is the grandson. Okay. He is the third dictator, uh, in, in a long line. It was his grandfather that's, um, that set up this Stalin like country, um, um, in the 1950s. Okay. So 
he is now the grandson, and I think Kim Jong-un wants out. I think he, he has tried to be a dictator, a ruthless dictator, for three years, and he has machine-gunned various people. He has killed at least 450 people are attributed to, you know, that he has personally called for the executions of it. Mm-hmm. He has imprisoned, we don't even know how many more uh, North Koreans. Uh, he has, uh, in, uh, in, you know, terrorized his own country and all the neighboring countries with a buildup uh, militaristically. But I think at the heart of it, he doesn't want to live there. Now, keep in mind, he grew up mainly in Switzerland. And when you visit North Korea, one of the things you're struck with is it's a time warp. I talked mm-hmm. about this. Yeah. It's from the 1950s there, okay? You know, you, ha- you, have, you have no Wi-Fi there. There are no cars. You know, there's bad TV. There, it's cold. It's, there's no electricity. There's very little food. And certainly the United States' approach over the last six months with this maximum pressure it has limited the luxury goods that you know that he, uh, that Kim Jong Un and the other elites were able to get their hands on. So it's made his life even more difficult. Um, and I also think, you know, he's a young guy. He doesn't like hanging around with those relics from his grandfather's mm-hmm. age. Mm-hmm. I think it is the problem of any terroristic dynasty. It's very difficult to sustain. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I think really what he wants is I think he wants to be on, I, and I, I know this sounds like a joke, but I think it's serious. I think he wants out. I think he wants to be on Celebrity Apprenticed or Family Feud with, you know, Kanye and Kim or something like that. I think he wants a cool card, car. I think he wants Wi-Fi. He wants broadband. I, I, I you know, I think if some of that is even reinforced by what the images we saw today. Mm-hmm. He was very envious, envious of President Trump's car. I mean, he just this is not his fight. The struggle that his grandfather set, you know, set up uh, the vision his grandfather has. I don't think that's Kim Jong Un's thing at all. I don't. I just don't know. Yeah, that's fascinating. I can totally see that. If you grew up in Switzerland, you get home to Pyongyang and that's not good. But you still have the ability to execute hundreds of people and you're doing that. You know, so it's a tough pivot to make. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's, I mean, you know, there, you know, look at his best friend showed up in uh, Singapore, Dennis Rodman. Okay. I think he wants to hang out with people like that. I don't think that he has literally the stomach uh, to, to continue this reign of terror that his father, you know, his father and his grandfather um, implemented. Uh, You know, I don't think it's providing him with the kind of life that he wanted to live. Certainly his father was very enamored with you know, Western celebrities mm-hmm. and, you know, you know, uh, Kim Jong-il's favorite movie was the Apple Dumpling Gang, you know, <laughs> and he, in fact, referenced that when he met with Secretary Madam Albright. I mean, so they're fascinated by the West and the celebrity and the celebrity culture. And just sort of coincidentally, we have this celebrity as a president. So I think he sees this as his opportunity to get out. And I, you know, because it is so bad there mm-hmm. and, and that he clearly does not have the skills or the will to maintain this or to solve the problems in front of his people, which is not enough food, not enough electricity, you know, the, you know, just the, the isolation being cut off. He he's not willing to do that. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's fascinating. 
So for those of you who did not hear Julie's original episode about, she actually went to North Korea. I know, I know it seems unbelievable that Julie took a vacation in North Korea, <laughs> but we will, I will repost in the Satellite Sisters Facebook group the episode where Julie talks about what it was really like to be in North Korea. It's a good reminder now as you're seeing yeah. all of this alternate imagery about right. like who this guy yep. is and who this regime is and, and what's the really fake going water on. park yes. and yeah all, all the, all of the that new buildings yes. yeah so we will we will repost that you can give it a listen it's one of the few firsthand accounts of being in North Korea you're you're going to hear it's fascinating yeah so i mean i met there, i know there've been many north korean experts all over the media, um, you know, some who've actually been there, some who have not. But I, I, you know, I did. It did occur to me. It's just, it's not sustainable. And he just, he's looking for a way for a way out. So what that will mean, we don't know. Because is he really in control of that country? I don't know. I mean, that you know, there's a whole military apparatus that has been reinforcing, you know, those, you know, human rights nightmare right. for, you know, for over 50 years. Um, you know, it, does he have enough power to sort of to get out of it? I don't know. I think what is personally, would he like to get away from it? Yes. That's that's my my insight on all of it. Okay. Julie Dolan, profiler. <laughs> <laughs> No, All right. That, that's interesting. Well, I have been busy studying the other big news story of the week. Whispers started last week a whisper campaign that IHOP was changing their name to IHOB. <laughs> and of course, sensible people thought, well, Please that must explain this to me. <laughs> that must be breakfast or brunch. Yeah. And then yesterday, the company revealed that it was burgers, that the International House of Pancakes is now becoming an international house of burgers. Mm-hmm. Talk about a Potemkin village, though, because <laughs> this whole plan seems to have fallen apart right away. I yeah. mean, they only really changed the sign on one restaurant. I know. So, Liz, what's your take on this IHOP, IHOB controversy? Because <laughs> not one person in America is going to IHOB I for hop. burgers. No. Yeah. The moment it started to come out that, oh, here's the plan. We're changing our name to IHOB. I knew that was not true. Like, it, despite the fact that they were saying it with a straight face. Yeah. Like, it was so clearly fake. And here's my thing. You know, as I said earlier, I worked most of my career in marketing and PR. I have dreamed up my share of really stupid campaigns. <laughs> I, like, totally, <laughs> totally cop to that. You, you're you in these conference rooms and you're brainstorming and you have to come up with something that's going to generate some attention. Uh, so it was obvious to me clearly from the beginning that, oh. that that's what this was. So oh, I fell for it. I never, not for one second. Okay. Not, it's not for fake? One it's really fake? Liz? It's really fake, Julie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's really fake. Village. It's, it's, a, it's a short-term campaign to get you to talk about the fact that they have burgers. And here's the thing. Just as a marketing professional, I really dislike creative ideas that are based on duping the public into believing an idiotic premise, you know, because don't you feel like they are saying we think you are an idiot? Yes. That's what I don't like about this. Like, so people fell for it and then they got all angry about it. And then they started to realize, wait a minute. And then now they're just back to, okay, well, it's just another, another thing that happens on Twitter. It's just another campaign. And I'm sorry, that is not a good trajectory because you know what gets lost in all of that conversation, Julie Leon. You know what we've totally lost here? 
is the concept of pancakes. 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 Right. I know. I was going to say. Which, which are we, delicious. We go, yeah. Which well, are delicious. I know pancakes are delicious, Liz. <laughs> exactly. Can't we just have pancakes? Just embrace the pancakes. Yeah. So it, it made me realize for the first time ever, like, of course, IHOP is an incredibly stupid name for, like, <laughs> because even right. IHOP doesn't embrace the pancake. Right. You know, do there are probably people, I mean, we're old enough, at right. least Julie, you and I are, to remember when it used to just be called International House of Pancakes, right. where there was no right. IHOP. It was the International House of Pancakes, which was sort of a fun, it was. It feels like a little bit of a World's Fair positioning. Yeah. You know, you go in here and you, <laughs> right. you get your Swedish pancakes yeah. and you get your Greek pancakes yeah. and like, but IHOP is nothing. IHOP's nothing. IHOP doesn't You even... took me to International House of Pancakes after my first communion. I did? You probably don't remember that. On the post road in Westport? <laughs> Mom and dad were not in town for my first communion. <laughs> you... So Liz was in charge Liz, of your... Uh, Liz was your, left in your religious education. Your yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, Mom and dad were going things, away. Things really broke down by yeah. the eighth child. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really. So yeah, I was all in my way. At least white... you had one. Did I you know. have a first communion dress? I had a dress. Well, here's what mom did. We just she just took me to communion the week before. She goes, "Oh God, doesn't care. Here, I'm here for your first communion. Just just go." I was like, "I don't think that's allowed." You know, you're like seven. You know Wait, what? You're gonna go to hell? For I know. That. So and then they went away free conscious. And then so I went to the ceremony, and then it was the team of, I mean, Liz, Monica, Sheila, and Brendan took me to IHOP. Sort of. A it's very, a very solemn occasion. Very vivid memory of International <laughs> Astro Pancakes in my yeah. worldview. So if you listen to our show and sometimes you think, you know, it really sounds like Leon grew up in an entirely different family. <laughs> Julie, you're right. It's when you are number eight of eight. It's different than you're number three of eight. I'm number four of eight. There was still some process yeah. in the top half of the family. But by, you get, by the time you get down to the bottom half, all of that is broken it's down. Gone. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm and, sorry, Liz. You were saying pancakes. I I'm mean, saying I, pancakes. Like if I was in charge of marketing IHOP, I would put the word pancake back into the name <laughs> because that's what people love. People, IHOP doesn't mean anything. And IHOP is just a way of insulting our intelligence. Right. Right. So and I'm glad they got IHOP. The B really stands for backlash because they got quite the backlash yesterday. <laughs> and, is, uh, but their stock prices went up three percent. Yeah. Which doesn't sound. Oh. Right. And, and now that we know we've been duped, I'm sure they'll fall again. Yes. You've yeah. been duped. Yeah. I feel like protest. Not that I've been to the uh, IHOP lately, but <laughs> I feel like protesting the place. Right. Yeah. And Julie, are you more likely to go to IHOP because now, you know, they have burgers? No, no. No, I would If you never want a burger, you are not going to IHOP yeah. or IHOP. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. You're going you're to not, in and out. Yeah, you're going. Did you see they were even getting uh, trolled by Burger King yesterday? That was you, funny. I mean, it was people really got on board. Even Chiquita was trolling them. Chiquita. Yeah, Whataburger was putting out what a pancake. Yeah, they were, they were doing the same thing. But here's what the president of IHOP said to CNN yesterday We are definitely going to be IHOP. But we want to convey that we are taking our burgers as seriously as our pancakes. I'm sorry, that is a mistake. That right. is a big mistake. <laughs> That's right. Because what what do you have that is unique in your worldview as a brand? You've got the pancakes. Yeah. Embrace the pancake. Right. So uh, I I'll just end on this note. Our own 
social media manager here at Wondery, where we work. Satellite Sisters is part of the Wondery Network. Her name is Kate. She does an excellent job with social media for the other Wondery shows, too. <laughs> what she tweeted out yesterday is, Sending my thoughts and prayers to the IHOB social media manager today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So this is who gets left holding the bag. Are these people like at the bottom of the chain that have to embrace this incredibly bad idea from whoever was in that brainstorming session? (laughs) Just embrace. Go back to the pancake people. That's okay. Leaving it there. Okay, sisters, I have a, a, a short Urban Nana report for you. I, as I said at the top of the show, I'm here in Brooklyn um, helping my son, Will, and uh, his family, uh, daughter-in-law, Lauren, uh, Josephine, who's three and a half, and Evelyn, who's two months old. Now, as it, I arrived on Sunday, and as it turned out, um, Evelyn and Lauren we're out of town. They are visiting Lauren's parents in Ohio. They're, you know, expected back shortly. So it was just Will and three and a half year old Josephine. And I arrived uh, later on Sunday afternoon. And when I came into their apartment, there was a high degree of tension. And I was like, what's the matter? And my son, uh, not Josephine, but my son was very stressed out about Josephine's homework assignment. She's three and a half, but I guess here in Brooklyn, you have homework at three and a half. Uh, It was one of these flat flat Stanley-like assignments that in her class, they have a stuffed animal uh, of a bumblebee named Miss Honey. And each child in the class gets to bring Miss Honey home for the weekend. And you're supposed to take pictures with Miss Honey, you know, in your house and out and about. And then you're supposed to slap these pictures in a little black and white notebook that the class keeps. And uh, during when during the week, they share the pictures. Uh, each child shares the pictures of Miss Honey and her adventure or his or her adventures. Seems simple enough. Okay. Uh, but but, but un- son- <laughs> not possible for a three and a half year old to execute. Yeah. No, I can already tell Leon hates this. Like, it's all coming back to you, right? How much of the homework the parents actually have to do. You have to zip it. That's one of my rules as an urban nana. You zip it. You don't. Nobody was asking me for my opinion, which was, this is ridiculous. This shouldn't, you know, no three (laughs) and a half year old child should have a homework assignment. And it surely, surely should not create any tension or stress. But my son, who is editor of a world-class art museum, <laughs> art magazine. he is now completely freaked out about this, okay? So he spent all weekend taking pictures, and, and then he had to go to a special store to get, you know, he didn't just print them out on the computer. Oh, no, he wanted to get, he wanted to make sure they were high resolution, so he oh went God. somewhere to get these pictures. Oh, my God. Uh, and he wasn't he wasn't happy with Josephine's expression in one of the pictures because he thought it made her look too uh, mis- mischievous in the picture. I was like, don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. And then if you could have seen how much time he was taking laying out the photo essay and the captions, again, in this black and white notebook that other parents have just, well, that some parents had not just slapped it in like I would have, but that, you know, obviously spent some time. So he really upped his game with these pictures of Miss Honey and these cute captions and headlines. I mean, again, even the gluing technique uh, my son was doing. Of course, Josephine had, you know, really was not the least bit interested in <laughs> in any of this. So um, that's hilarious. But I just, 
Well, I guess I, if you're I mean, a magazine editor, this assignment is right up your alley. It is. This uh, yeah. Is, you, you're going to yeah, go so all in was, on this. He, yeah, he was he was really hoping to win this. I yeah. mean, later on when he, when Josephine has to compete in the science fair, I don't know what's going to happen, but <laughs> you know, on the Miss Honey project, I think he aced it and uh it indeed was a lovely it was a lovely layout when it was finished. <laughs> World-class, world-class hilarious. World-class. But my message to all nanas, uh, in this case, urban nanas, just keep your mouth shut. Just, you know, just just keep it zipped. I know, you say you keep your mouth shut. Do you really keep your mouth shut? Yes, well, yeah, except for on this podcast, which he doesn't listen to. (laughs) No, but I did not say what was in my heart, which is just slap it in the book. Who cares? I did not say that, Liam. So, so. Okay. I was pretty good. Good work, Nana. So, one more thing. I have uh, one more thing uh, I want to mention that we all want to mention is uh, we, we want to do a special Satellite Sister of the Week to Debbie Abood's daughter. Now, I for those of you that are members of our Facebook group, um, the Satellite Sisters Facebook group, you have seen this amazing post. Her daughter, Debbie Abood, who is a longtime listener to Satellite Sister posted the picture of her daughter who was a surrogate for her friend and she had recently given birth to two beautiful boys, one six pound, one ounce, six pound, nine ounce, Benjamin James and William John, Debbie Abood's daughter. If you look at this picture of the most beautiful woman in the world with these beautiful babies, this miraculous thing this loving thing that she, and selfless thing that she did for her best friend. Uh, it's an amazing, you know, amazing gift to give someone. You just can't even, and just get, you get choked up just looking at the picture. And I love Debbie's yes. message too about she gets two bonus grands, right? <laughs> Which I am, Debbie. I am so happy that yes, that you will you know be the grandmother to these wonderful boys as well. They will be very special children that have had such a special birth and now are going to be part of this extended family. Uh, what an amazing thing! Not something. Uh, as we said, sisters, we wouldn't do it for each other, would we? No, 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 no way. <laughs> we, even... we did. We did a short poll, and the answer was no. <laughs> None of us are selfless <laughs> enough to ever do something like that. But so I just, I just the loved sickness. that picture, and I loved her expression. And thank you so much, Debbie, for sharing that with us. Please tell your daughter that she is the Satellite Sister of the Week. Yeah. Hey, it's Liz and Leanne here, and we want to thank Pros for supporting this episode of Satellite Sisters. Now, you know, Liz, I've been out and about with my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical. Mm-hmm. The book is getting rave reviews. I'm very happy. But you know what else is getting rave reviews? My hair, Liz. My hair from Pros is getting <laughs> rave reviews. Leanne, I am not surprised. You have been on that Pros hair regimen for quite a while. I mean, you have good hair anyway, but now you have great hair mm-hmm. because you've really paid attention to it. Well, Liz, pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. And you know what? I love the regimen they have me on. Do I take the hair vitamins every day? 
Yes, I do. Do I use my shampoo and conditioner made especially for Lee and Dolan? Yes, I do. Do I sometimes use the leave-in conditioner when my hair's really dry? I do. And I even have a pre-scalp thing that they give me. Okay, pros, you're the boss. I'll take it. (laughs) You tell me what my hair needs. That sounds good. And here's the thing. It's personalization, Liz. For yeah. millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely Leans. Okay. And I'm I'm using it. Pros mm-hmm. isn't just better for you. It's also better for the planet, Liz. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon neutral custom beauty brand. So pros, we love you. I love the photos of my hair. Couldn't be happier. <laughs> photos of your hair. There are people in the photos too. That's the thing about a book tour. Everybody yeah. has their picture taken with Leon and then post it. So yeah. the hair is important. <laughs> Couldn't be happier, pros. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin. They're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash sisters. So you get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash sisters. And pros is spelled P-R-O-S-E, pros.com slash sisters. Thanks, pros. Liz, you know we love talking about Framebridge, don't we? We do. <laughs> because, because there are just so many fun things to frame, Leon, aren't there? Right. Anything. You can just upload a digital photo from your phone and they can print it and frame it. And that is a gift right there, a gift people would love getting. But Liz, you recently had quite an exciting Framebridge experience. Would I, you I like did. to share? Would you like you know, to? I talked about how when we were at the Bruce Springsteen concert, I was with our brother Dick, his wife Susan, his two kids, and one of the roadies threw us the set list at the end of the show, which was amazing to get the actual set list for the actual concert in Los Angeles. And we're like, oh, yeah, any day now, that's going to be in a place of honor in their home. Sure enough, Leon, they have already framebridged it and sent it to us with a picture. So I'll be in Bend next week, so I'll get to see it. But it's just excellent use of the Framebridge resources, the Bruce Springsteen set list. Fantastic. And this is gift giving season. So if you have a graduation coming up, a wedding, a shower, Mother's Day, Father's Day, look around. I'm sure you have something fun you can frame and Framebridge can do it for you. It's easy and it's affordable to frame just about anything. You get fair and transparent upfront pricing based on the size of your item. There's a great selection of frames. And as we've said in the past, fast service, free shipping, rate or gifts. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Liz, not many things in life give you a happiness guarantee, but Framebridge does. If you're not 100% happy with your piece, they will make it right. So if this but sounds you like- you're going to be happy, okay? Yeah. That's just the Satellite Sisters promise. You're going to be out. You're going to be happy you did it. See why Framebridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit framebridge.com or see a local Framebridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything, like a Bruce Springsteen set list. That's framebridge.com. Thanks, Framebridge. All, All right. right. So uh, so we're back, and it's time for Leon Dolan's tour of Paris, <laughs> France, <laughs> which Julie and I have been anxiously awaiting for the weeks since you returned okay, let uh, me... from Europe. We loved all your Rome notes. Yes. And, you know, if you haven't seen that at SatelliteSisters.com or at LeonDolan.com, 
It's more than just notes. There was a lot of very fine photography that you... Yeah, well, there's some some pretty good photography and then some mediocre photography. But yes, you get photos along with it. Uh You get links to things. You get book recommendations, podcast recommendations, movie recommendations to supplement your trip. And then some specifics about the sites. Because in Rome, we really covered uh, ancient and Renaissance Rome. That's what we focused on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then we moved on to Paris. And one of the reasons I'd wanted to go to Paris, because my latest book is set in Paris. Okay, It's completed, and news on that soon. Uh, But I I hadn't been to Paris in 27 years. So my (laughs) memories were a little foggy. So you're trying to write 100,000 words about a city you haven't been in, you know, Uh in a while. You're going to get some things off. You know, you get a lot right. I got a lot right. But some things were amiss. So I knew I needed to actually revisit the city and sort of track some of the things I did in the book uh, in real time. To make sure they were still possible? Yes, to make sure they still existed. And again, like I said in Rome, the city has changed, Liz. I don't know. Apparently, Paris has not stayed stagnant in 27 years. But I had spent at one point, you know, overall my lifetime, I probably spent about a month in Paris. I've been there three times before, spending like a week to 10 days there. I really loved Paris. At one point, my French was really pretty good. So I was very comfortable in Paris. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit like returning to New York. Like you sort of remember, oh, yeah, that's where the statue yeah. of oh, okay, And that's uptown, how the metro works. Central I can Park. do yeah. this. Yeah. It, it all came back to me, you know, very that's quickly. Good. Like it, it, didn't, Impressive. it didn't feel that foreign. I was comfortable walking around. I don't know. The Eiffel Tower seemed a little bit farther away than I remember. But other than that, like everything else came back to me. And it's got all that new lighting, though, the Eiffel Tower. It's just awesome, right? Just a weird FYI, Liz. I was there the night they revealed that. Oh, New Year's oh. Eve, 1986. I was. You were? I was there. Yes. Okay. That, that is a stat that impressed my son because we were sitting at the Eiffel Tower Park and he was reading all about the book about the Eiffel Tower out loud. And he was like, they debuted these lights in New Year's Eve, 1986. And I was like, well, I was here that night. I don't remember that's, it. That's the lights. But... That's impressive for your son. That is cool. It was. But you were at one point cool. It was. It was, a, it was a reminder, Julie. It was a reminder. So we had a couple of specific things we had to do for the book. So as I, I mentioned before, we didn't go to like far-flung places. We didn't try to see everything in Paris. There were a couple of places I had to go to that might not be like, woohoo, big tourist sites. But I, I'm going to give you some highlights of the things we did that really were great. Please. Now, he had never been to Paris before. And a couple of things to remember, we were there in mid-May. So it stayed light till like 10 o'clock at night. So we had and we had fantastic weather. So uh, and we did a ton of walking. We used the metro. We took a few cabs. I actually took a train somewhere in the middle of a train strike. So that didn't work very well. But I took that darn train and I took it back to Paris. But we had a couple of great like combinations of things that we did. So uh, the first day we were there, we just did a tremendous amount of walking. You just can't help it. It's You just want to see the whole city. And we, we literally walked 15 miles that day. Um, but my big plan, this is my big plan. There's like one night a year where all the museums in Europe are free. And we mm. happened to be there. That was the middle of May. It's cool. Good planning. So I said, oh, that'll be fun. We weren't going to go to the Musée d'Orsay because he had very limited interest in Impressionism in general. He just hadn't quite gotten there in art history yet. But I was like, well, if it's free, <laughs> let's go. So it's quite the Musée. We're yeah. wandering around, you know, during the day in Paris. We're walking up to the Eiffel Tower and he looks at me and goes, you know, could we pay to go to that museum so we don't have to go with everybody in Paris? <laughs> 
And I He's was, a big thinker, Liam. <laughs> I it was like a light bulb went off. I'm like, yeah, I guess we could pay to go to the world's <laughs> finest museum of impressionist art. So that was fun. We paid to get in. And guess what? Because the museum was free Saturday night, there weren't that many people there Saturday during the day paying Excellent. the monies. Excellent. So, and I had recalled that they had a really great restaurant in the museum because Monica and I had been there 27 years ago when the uh-huh. museum first opened. So we timed it for lunch. We had a delightful lunch in the in the museum restaurant. Then we took in all of Impressionism. And you know what? Impressionism, it's beautiful. Like you just, it's just so, so beautiful. Love it. After all these years, Liam, it's good. still strong, Julie. Like those Renoirs are still take your breath mm-hmm. away, mm-hmm. and the Gauguins—they're like they're shocking. You know that period of post-impressionists and yeah. the Cezans, and it's just a win-win-win. Like they're all beautiful, and uh, and he was like, hmm, yeah, these are pretty nice. You know, he's like getting on board with impressionism. So it, we do we take in the whole museum. If you haven't been there, it's built in an old train station. Um, uh, and so it, the Dorsey, which was the Gare d'Orsay, the, and now it's the Musée d'Orsay. So the building itself is spectacular. Tons of light, easy flow to walk around, he, those huge clocks you see in animated movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just spectacular. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, all the best Impressionist art. And then bonus, we saw Pierce Brosnan. In, oh, oh, yeah. Wow. So, because he's also willing to pay to get in. <laughs> he doesn't You're need on the free the VIP entry. tour. Yeah. yeah. He was just looking at it. He was just looking at a Renoir like I was. I only noticed him because he's literally the most handsome man I've ever seen. I mean, <laughs> so handsome. And then I realized, oh, that's Pierce Brosnan. I thought he was just another incredibly attractive French man, uh, French man, but no, Pierce Brosnan. So, so we did that on Saturday. And then Sunday, I had signed up for a tour of Montmartre. Uh-huh. With an organization called Context Tours. Now they Good. give tours Good all Good to do tours. You with know a what? Guide. I like that. Real tour with a guide. They promise that all the guides have, you know, MAs, masters, or PhDs, and they're given subjects. They're real experts. They're small group tours, just six people in our tour. They give tours all over the world. Like you can do a context tour of like Hamilton sites in New York City. Like mm-hmm. that would be fun. That would be fun. Right. With mm-hmm. someone who really knows early American history. So I have quite a few scenes in my book set in Montmartre. I had never been to Montmartre. I never actually Well, that that's gone. bold on your part I to write about oh, a very specific area of Paris you haven't been to. Good that's the thing about writers, Julie. They just make stuff up. They make Isn't stuff it up. amazing? Yeah. They just, you know what? And stuff is on this thing called the internet. So you can actually like Google map any street in the world, it feels like. But I wanted to get the feel of it. But what we didn't anticipate, of course, our, our guide, Marie, was fantastic. Of course, her name was Marie. <laughs> of course it was. It was Marie. She had a <laughs> scalp on. And, um, and she had not one but two masters in art history. So she was really focused on that. And that's where a lot of the Impressionist artists lived. You know, mm-hmm. they all Cezanne, all your guys, all your big guys, Van Gogh lived there. They all, Picasso, Brock, they all lived in Montmartre. Oh. And it's a very tiny little area. And so she was taking her iPad and saying, see this Renoir? Yeah, it was painted right there at this restaurant. So, like, the painting we had seen yesterday, like, came to life on the iPad in real life. Wow. And we had a fantastic tour. It was wow. three hours. She was great. And we just, yeah, we saw Picasso's house and Brock's house. And I, it was just the, you know, the Moulin Rouge. We saw the Moulin Rouge, Liz, which was <laughs> exciting. And, of course, because we're was American. Was Nicole Kidman there? 
You and McGregor? Of course, because we're Americans. We kept saying, oh, yeah, we've seen that movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, we've seen that movie. Like, we're just idiots. You know, it's our only culture. Like in Rome, oh, yeah, we've seen Gladiator. We don't don't need to take a tour of the Coliseum. We've seen Gladiator. So We've been to Epcot Center, right? Yeah. I mean, it's one step above Epcot Center to say you've seen the movie. But, um, But it was really a delightful tour on a beautiful day. Now, it was a little early in the morning, so Colin was a little bit of a grumpy bear Mm -hmm. until we saw this really hit him. She said, maybe you recognize this. And she pointed to a restaurant, and that was the restaurant in the movie Amelie. Oh, wow. Which is one of Colin's favorite movies. So all of a sudden, he's like, (laughs) okay, now I'm invested in this tour. (laughs) So we saw several other sites from the movie Amelie as we made our way up to Sacre-Cœur. And uh, there's a big scene that takes place right there in the movie. And so afterwards, he's like, could we go to lunch at the Amelie restaurant? I'm like, sure, if you want to do that. But just in general, it was fantastic. Like the tour really pulled together what we saw in the museum, what I needed for my book. Our tour guide was delightful. It was uh, just a really fun way to do it. And it was accidental, but now I highly recommend it. Like do, you could take a context tour of the Musée d'Orsay, or you could just do the Musée on your own and then do this Montmartre Uh tour. It was a great combination. And then... Uh, we we focused on a bunch of dead people while we were there, so we mm-hmm. had to go to the Pantheon in Paris, which is sort of the less lesser known Pantheon. There's the one in Rome, and then the one in Paris is this. It was a church, but you know the French; they're just not religious. They're really not. they have they have some excellent churches they have ex- though, but they're very secular people. Yes, so they turn this excellent church into just like a burial ground, and the and in entombed, and it's it's kind of airless, and it's not really. I can't recommend it highly, but we went to see. Marie, it, there's a scene in my book that takes place there, so I had to go there. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but we went to. Liz and Leanne here, and we are so grateful to have Osea support Satellite Sisters. Why? Because it's just a great product. Holy cow, do we we love Osea's skin and body care. And you know what? This Mother's Day, just look no further than Osea. Spoil the moms in your life with the little luxuries from Osea. The moms, the stepmoms, the bonus moms, the people who bring a touch of something special to your life aunts, grandmothers, they would love a little Osea this Mother's Day. And you can get 10% off your first order by using our code SATSISTERS at OseaMalibu.com. And Liz, you know what every mother and mother figure needs? What? More moisture, Liz. They need more moisture in their skin. (laughs) In their skin. I mean, really, the creams, the lotions, the oils. I love it all. That duo they have going. Like, you can't miss with the duo of Osea. Liz, the Mega Moisture Duo, yes. you can you can literally see your skin get firmer, and it just delivers this full body glow. Okay, you know we have raved about the Andaria Algae Body Oil. Mm-hmm. Well, pair that with the Andaria Collagen Body Oil. Youthful, yeah. Liz, a youthful yeah. glow is going to happen, <laughs> and it's infused with Osea's signature Andaria seaweed, so it just smells so delicious, doesn't it? I know you're talking about giving it as a gift. I also suggest just giving it to yourself (laughs) because you're worth it. (laughs) That's that's true. That is absolutely true. Okay, that moisture duo I mentioned too is a great value because you can save 16% plus the extra 10% with our code Sad Sisters. So this is it. This is a win-win-win Mother's Day gift. Spoil the moms in your life with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code SATSISTERS at oseamalibu.com. 
and you get free samples in every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Osea is spelled O-S-E-A. So head on over to oseamalibu.com and use code SATSISTERS for 10% off. Thanks, Osea. Liz, summer is coming up and you know what that means? It means you're grilling. You're grilling and chilling there with your your butcher box. What what do you got going on the grill this summer? Well, you know, here's the thing. Because I'm going to be up in in Bend for a part of the summer, I'm having my box sent there, Leanne. That's great. Go on vacation with your butcher box is what what I'm recommending. (laughs) By the way, you're just going to buy meat and fish and stuff when you get there. Why do that? Anyway, I love their steaks. I love their scallops. The scallops are really good. And the chicken thighs, all good. I'm ready. That's right. ButcherBox gives you peace of mind and easy-to-find high-quality meat and seafood you can trust. It's 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork that's raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood, no antibiotics or added hormones, and as Liz said, delivered right to your doorstep. And you can customize that delivery plan, Liz, right? Because it can go wherever you want it to go, whenever you want it to go. If you want to delay it a week, you know, speed it up a week, you just go to your ButcherBox account and you can make that all happen. It's so easy to manage online. Yeah. And if you're like Liz, you can take your ButcherBox on vacation, which is... That's nice. That's nice. Nice to have something familiar there. (laughs) Yes. So if you want to take your meat on vacation, sign up at butcherbox.com slash sisters and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional 20% off. So you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash sisters and use code sisters to choose your free for year offer. Plus, get $20 off your first order. Thanks, ButcherBox. Julie, aren't you dying to know what Leanne's book is about? <laughs> of course, we have no idea what this book is about. I, I, yeah, okay. People need to know that. Like, she shares nothing with us, or at least with me. I don't know, Liz, maybe you're getting more tips. No. Because we're not writers. So she doesn't believe that we can uh, appreciate some anything. of these early drafts. So yeah, it's okay. going to be a big surprise yeah. uh, to us. Action, well. action said in the Pantheon. I can't wait to see the movie, Leanne. Yeah, That's okay. what I love your new book. Fantastic. So, but... One of the one of the reasons Colin was excited was because the tomb of Marie Curie is there. Oh wow! But that section was closed, oh. so that was a bummer. Oh. That was mm. just a but. You know, maybe if you go, it will be open. That's yes. all I can say. Like Marie Curie was. She there. deserves the visit for there sure. Are a lot of other famous dead French people there in the bottom. Is of Napoleon me. there? Where is it? So who else is in the Pantheon? I have no <laughs> I idea. I should have written that down. I don't well, have a my lot notes. of writers. There are right? a lot of writers yeah, there. Because yeah. okay. then we also went to the famous French cemetery. Mm. that I had never been to before, the Père Lachaise Cemetery. Right. Now, the yep. reason I had not been is very personal, is that that is the cemetery where Jim Morrison is born. Yeah, and I buried, don't, of course. Buried, buried yeah. sorry, buried. And I don't like Jim Morrison or The Doors. <laughs> I think they're highly overrated. I think they're the most overrated American band. So in college, when everyone was going there to, like, worship the grave of Jim Morrison, mm-hmm. I just refused to go to the cemetery. Boycott of one. Boycott of one. Here you go. Père Lachaise Cemetery. to your principal. Land. Good girl. But but Colin's like, Mom, you know, it's Chopin, it's Moliere, it's really? it's, it's okay. Oscar Wilde, it's all these other people. So you know what? He we went to the cemetery and it was a fantastic fun afternoon. Oh. It was Sunday afternoon. It's a cool old cemetery. Like if you've been to the ones in New Orleans, it has that kind of feel. 
Families were there. Picnics were happening. People wander around. There's a map. There's some really old graves and then some some newer ones. So it's constantly evolving. And we really had a great time sort of searching out some of the graves of the people we wanted to see. So we did not go to Jim Morrison's grave on purpose, Colin, also. <laughs> Leanne, way to go. Yeah. Nice move. But Sarah Bernhardt, we're glad we showed, oh, showed nice, up. Nice, nice. We're glad we stopped by you. So we saw some dead people at the Pantheon and Père Lachaise, and it was it was enjoyable. I liked that. <laughs> and then the last little bit I wanted to focus on, we stayed on Ile Saint-Louis, which is the little island behind So Notre charming, Dame. so beautiful. It is so charming, Julie. Now, that has changed quite a bit in 27 years because there's a lot of ice cream tourism on, <laughs> on Ile Saint-Louis now. Oh, really? Because, Which is not all that bad, Liam. No. Know, to have a little glacé every once in a while. Right. Yep. So, like, the best, allegedly the best ice cream shop in the world is there, Bertillon. Okay, and that had a huge line at all. Oh, yeah, everybody writes about that. Everybody suggests that. Day and night. Yeah. And then, but now other contenders to the crown have also showed up. So there is a couple of Italian gelato places there and other places. So there's a lot of ice cream tourism there. Uh, So it was kind of crowded on the main street Saturday and Sunday. But otherwise, it was a completely delightful place to stay. And we stayed at a hotel, which is featured in my book, A Real Hotel. But this hotel is called the Hotel de Jeux de Pomme, and it... Because it was uh, a tennis court. It was mm-hmm. built by Louis the Seventeenth as a tennis court. Mm-hmm. And then they've converted it. That into- seems uncomfortable for sleeping. Yeah, it's, oh, just- <laughs> you know, it just, the, it was the most comfortable beds and linens ever. That's all I can say. But they have okay. converted it now. I guess it was falling into disrepair. Someone found it in the 70s, this old building mm-hmm. uh, on this beautiful island, and converted it into a hotel. And it's absolutely charming. And again, found it on the internet, used it in the book, and then, but I had to book it. Six to you have to book six to twelve months in advance. It's a very popular little hotel. Wow! It was a super romantic. Wait till your book comes out. It's just going to go through the roof. Super romantic hotel. Not so much with my twenty-year-old son. But if you are planning, so if you could ever convince your husband to go to Paris, yeah, boom. Why would he want to go? I don't know. But <laughs> if you're going to Paris with your beloved, you might want to check this out. So I'll write all these all these tips up and all these places uh, uh, when we get there uh, on my website when uh, by the by the end of this week. I've been I've been busy, but in general, we had a, just a fantastic time. You know, Paris is a big global city. We mm-hmm. love walking around. You know, Colin's impressions: the Eiffel Tower. Why is it brown? He had no idea. <laughs> The Eiffel Tower is brown. <laughs> and you know what? It looked like it needed some paint. I have yeah. to say that the Eiffel Tower, better from far away. <laughs> I w- because that whole thing, like this is where terrorism rears its ugly head. You used to just be able to walk up to the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. Remember yeah. that beautiful park? Mm-hmm. No more. Like there's all this bad temporary fencing and security and metal detectors uh, and yeah. you're rooted all over the park. So and that's a shame. That was a shame. That was- so skip that. <laughs> But here's a couple. This is the only show you're going to hear. Skip the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> <laughs> Just skip you can it. Look, look at, at it on the internet. Look That's at it from the said. other side of the river. It's yeah, fine. It was, it was better from the other side of the river, Liz. <laughs> and then we went. He wanted to see the Arc de Triomphe, which sure. is, is great. Napoleon, great, built that. But then we were reading from our book, you know, and I said, oh, you know, Napoleon really wanted to build a 160-foot elephant. Uh, in fact, mm-hmm. so much so that he, actu- right. that he actually made like a mock-up of the elephant to test it. And Colin was like, well, now that I know it could have been a 160-foot elephant, I don't really think much of this arc is disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. It would have been if awesome. If that was an elephant. Spewing water? 
So it's a nice triumphal arch, but imagine <laughs> 160 foot elephant. And then the last sort of place where we got duped was the Picasso Museum. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I had high hopes for this. I had loved it 27 years ago when I was there, a museum dedicated to Picasso. They've improved it. They've made it bigger now. They were featuring Guernica. That was the, the name of the exhibit was Guernica, Liz. Uh-huh. So well, probably would, his most, most famous work. Yes. Right. You would assume. Yes. That Guernica would be there at the museum. Okay, I'm guessing from the nature of your your comment you, that Guernica, in fact, was not at the Picasso Museum when you went there. there. No. There's a little tone of bitterness in your voice, Liam. <laughs> yep. I, the name of the exhibit was Guernica. And then you come to find out when <laughs> you, you said that, Liam. <laughs> you got there that apparently the actual painting Guernica, oh, it hasn't left Spain since 1975. Oh. So there right. was a big poster of Guernica <laughs> in the lobby. But Colin and I, we literally started running. Like, we got in a tent. He's like, let's do like we did at the Vatican. Let's go see Guernica first and then loop back. And so we kept running around the two floors like, where's the Guernica? Where's, like, crazy. That must have been a nice sight, you two Americans. <laughs> and we're both kind of uptight, me and Colin. That's why we get along. Ugly Americans. And, 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 the know, art museum. And then I'm like... I don't know. I don't know where the Guernica is. And then there was like a woodcut Guernica. I was like, I don't think this is Guernica, but it looks just there were lots of other people's impressions of Guernica and like works inspired by works inspired by Guernica. That's a good idea for an exhibit. A lot of fake Guernicas. (laughs) And it was just (laughs) Did you get the t shirt with the Guernica on it, Lynn? Coffee mug. Coffee mug. Reluctantly got the poster with the Guernica on it, only because I have a poster from the Picasso Museum from 27 years ago, and I up in my bathroom, and I wanted to put. And I resented having to buy that poster. I resented it, but no. Every time you walk into your bathroom, you're going to resent it again. And then no Guernica, and the top two floors of the Picasso Museum were closed. Oh, so for renovation that day, so. It literally took us like 22 minutes to see this. We planned the whole day, paid full price, no Guernica. But that we were, would be a Leon Dolan two thumbs down review. Two thumbs down. <laughs> to don't be duped. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, but we spent the rest of the day just wandering around the Marais, doing our own self-taught. It's a beautiful uh, neighborhood. French Revolution tour. We would have taken another context tour mm-hmm. that day. I would have taken the French Revolution Didn't tour. Catherine de' Medici lived there for yeah. a while. Yeah, Plus yeah, Vosges, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. Plus de Vosges, we spent time there. Uh-huh. It was great. So we we did that, and there's so many you know charming shots. It's like Soho. You know, that yeah. neighborhood is like Soho now with great shops. And I had the world's best tuna fish sandwich there. So I recovered. <laughs> I recovered from the Guernica incident. <laughs> don't think I haven't forgotten. And then one last thing. The one treat we did. Are we, are we way over? Yeah. Uh, no, that's yeah. okay. Um, the, one, the one thing we did that surprisingly Colin wanted to do. He said, Mom, I've heard my friends went to a restaurant here where all the waiters are opera singers. So uh-huh. they serve you dinner, and then they burst into song. Mm-hmm. And when your 20-year-old son says, I'd like to go see some opera, you're like, okay. So it was our one big splurge, <laughs> and that was really fun. It was, was called it? Bel Canto. And so we had a fancy French meal, which Colin was not interested in. But the singing was great, and it was just a really fun way. It was our last night in Paris. It was a beautiful, charming restaurant. And, you know, again, would have been super romantic with my husband, but was very enjoyable <laughs> with my 20-year-old son. <laughs> that sounds awesome, Leanne. Now, for the 
For your Rome report, you also did the blog post. Right. Is the Paris blog post coming? It's it's coming by okay. the end of the week. It takes me a while to put these together. No, no. I can yeah. see how elaborate it is. So so we will put a link to that yes. when it's up on yes. Leon's blog. Yes. We will make sure that we have links to it. I'll add that to the show notes. And uh, and we will also link it to SatelliteSisters.com. So that's awesome. So So, like... What's your recommendation? Paris, yes or no? Go? Yes. Go. Go. <laughs> Paris. Go. Paris, still rocking it. It's still great. It's Paris. It's still great. People yeah. look great. The shoes are great. You know, the weather's great. The scent is great. The food is unbelievable. Yeah. You know, and the croissants. Oh, the croissants. <laughs> Worth every calorie. Worth every calorie. Oh, I really went over. I'm sorry. No, no, that's okay. Hey, speak, of, speaking, it was worth it, Liam. Speaking of calories, I'm just going to put this out there for next week, okay? I'm going to plant a seed for next week. We're going to do an Operation Sea Turtle discussion. You know, Operation Sea Turtle is our health and wellness report where we, you know, we figure out what's working for us, what's not working for us. So our topic is how do you get back on track when you have fallen off the wagon. For those of you who are following Operation Sea Turtle in the Satellite Sisters Facebook group, I've had a couple of posts about that the last couple of weeks. So we're not going to talk about it now. But if I'm going to do a post related to this show. So if you have your own strategies, like you've had a bad week, you've had a bad month, you've had a bad like three years back to back, really, really got away from you. We've all been there. So do you have a strategy about how to get back on track? And then next week, we'll talk about it. Okay. That seems like okay. That's you're on for next week. Okay, you're on. Anyone have a to-do list item? Um, I am going. I'm still working on some nice Father's Day gifts for my two sons because I think they're doing a great job as fathers. Oh, oh that's nice. That's nice. That's very nice. I well, maybe a- you could get Will some sort of homework buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Good idea, Liam. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm, I've actually, it's funny, it's also gift related. I am spending 4th of July with some friends. And so I was thinking, what could I get them? You know, they're, they kind of, it's not like they need any stuff, but you don't want to go empty handed spending a week with someone um, at their house by the beach. So I decided I'm getting my friend Vacher and her daughter, I'm getting them both stay noisy sweatshirts because oh. I think they'll enjoy that. Yeah. And so the husband, Andy, getting him a satellite Mr. T-shirt. So I'm doing all of my gift shopping with Satellite Sisters merch, but I think it's good. I think they're like it because you can't really buy it anywhere. Right. So that's the, <laughs> the, I mean, you can buy it in our store, of course, but so that's what I'm doing. I got to get that ordered because, you know, the printing and shipping takes a little while. And if I'm going to be there for the 4th of July, tick tock. Right. So right. O- ordering everything today, the gift merchandise for the 4th of July. Good idea. All right. Yeah. I had on my to-do list, don't forget Father's Day. Okay. Just because it, it is a holiday. It sort of goes by the way, you know. <laughs> It sneaks up on your Father's yes. Day. It's not quite it's not quite as imprinted as, as Mother's, Mother's Day. Day. No. So don't forget Father's Day. And that's a good announcement good, for good everyone. Advice. Yes, and to all you satellite misters out there, good job. Yeah. Happy Father's Day. Uh, we'd also like to thank our engineer, Sergio Enriquez, here at the Wondery Sunset Studios. We'd like to thank our sponsors for today, Harry's Care, Zip Recruiter, and Beachbody on Demand. Mm-hmm. Anybody else we'd like to thank? No. Okay. <laughs> all right. Everybody have a great week. Julie, good luck there in Brooklyn. I will thank you very much. I'm on duty. And don't forget, call your satellite system.